0: You are listening to a message from Foothills Church in Miraville, Tennessee. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com. If you've got your Bibles, look with me at the Gospel of Luke. Uh, and as you turn there in Luke chapter 6, uh, a few quick things that you guys need to know about. Uh, we've been talking about our uh, marriage conference that is coming up. Do not, do not, do not miss this opportunity. Um, If you are married, uh, if you're engaged, uh, this is not just for marriages that are in trouble. Uh, This is for marriages that want to grow deeper uh, together as a couple uh, and deeper in the Lord. And so I really encourage you guys to uh, attend and be with us. It's going to be a lot of fun, and I know it'll be encouraging. Uh, When you leave today, our uh, folks at the door are going to have some invite cards. We want to encourage you to take as many as you uh, can and uh, give them to family uh, people at work, uh, whoever you can think of to invite to be a part of that weekend. This is a great um, like community event for our church uh, to invite people in the community to attend something like this. So I encourage you guys to do that. It's going to be a great opportunity for us as a church family. Uh, also, base camp is not next Sunday, but the following Sunday. Um, some of you might have seen something different on our website, but it is going to start on March the 2nd, and uh, this is the first place for you to get connected. Uh, if you have never gone through it, if you're kind of new to the church, this is a, the, the first step uh, for you and your family to get connected at FC and encourage you guys uh, to come and be a part of that as well. I don't know, there's a little bit of an echo, Brian. It's bouncing off the wall, coming back to me. Uh, I hear myself too much. Uh, uh, today we want to start a new series entitled Our House. Um, and so the purpose of today really is to get our minds really attentive to um, the, the, the family, what God's role in the family is, what uh, a dad's role is, a mom's role, and, and how are we Uh, as a family, uh, going to build our house. And and, and how do we do that? And and what does it look like? And so today is really the introduction for the next four weeks and uh, trying to be very, very practical. Uh, Start out with some easy things. For some of you, this is going to be easy. Uh, For others of you, it might be a little bit more challenging. But when we think about our childhood and our home, everybody in the room has a different experience Some of you grew up in great homes. Your mom and dad talked about the Lord. You prayed together. You came to church. They were strong Christians, and that was a good experience for you. Others of you grew up in homes where your parents didn't talk about the Lord, um, maybe your dad wasn't around or your mom wasn't whatever. Um, maybe you never even went to church. and so you're different as much uh, or your experience is much different uh, than someone else's in the room. and so uh, the, the point though, no matter what our experience uh, was as we grew up, uh, now most of us in the room have our own life. We've got maybe a spouse or maybe we're looking. Um, you have your own home, maybe you have a a, a child, you're you're beginning to build this family. And so no matter what your experience was as a kid, you have a decision to make. How am I going to build our house? So no matter if you're a single parent or if you're, you know, married and you're raising your kids, um, no matter what that deal looks like for you, I mean, you've got to make a decision. What does your house look like? And, and how are you going to build your house? What's the foundation of that house? What's the center of that house? Now, if you're banking on the good experience that you had as a kid, in other words, your parents were great, you know, godly parents, and they served the Lord, and, and so that was your experience. I mean, you can't just uh, envision or think that your kids are going to get the same thing that you did. Your parents were very intentional about some things, uh, culture and technology and the world was much different 15, 20, 30, 40 years ago when you were a kid. And so today it's got to look different. Same principles, same foundations when we look at the Bible. And yet there are some things that that we have to do to be a little bit more practical. So I want to talk about those things over the course of the next several weeks. But the main thing that we want to look at today is, is what does it look like to build our house on the rock? You know, In our day and age, I mean, families go through a lot, and some of you are feeling a lot of stress and a lot of tension in your family. Um, One of the things that causes this tension is the fact that we, we are busy. And I know I've talked about that in the past, but, but the reality is Americans have gotten themselves in a big hurry, and we, we put our kids in this system as well, and so we make them busy, and they're busy at school and busy with things. And, and so that becomes a very uh, big challenge for families as they look at how can we build a, a house with the foundation uh, of this house being the Lord. Another thing that we struggle with sometimes is that some of you are in blended families. And so while that can be a blessing in many ways, it can also be very challenging. And so you're raising your kids and her her kids, and there are exes involved. And so sometimes that's complicated. Some of you are single parents, and so the stress of being a single parent—maybe uh, you're maybe making all the discipline decisions, or you have the financial responsibility in, your, in, in the family—and so there's some stress and tension there. And, and you're sharing kids, and so what does that look like when you are parenting one way, and then your ex is parenting another way? It can be very challenging. And it can be a struggle. And so we want to look at, you know, what your role uh, is to be in that situation. Now, some of you are like, well, I'm a grandparent, been there, did that, done with that, uh, moving on to better things. And so what I want to encourage you through this series, I think the series will speak greatly to you guys as well, uh, because I know grandparents play a huge role in uh, the family, and I think that's God's intention and uh, I think that, you know, when I look at my family and my, my parents and how they uh, interact with my kids, I mean, it is, it is awesome, and, and I want that for your kids as well. Um, I was reminded about this yesterday, actually. I was at Lowe's for like the 150th time. I'm doing a little bathroom remodel, and so I'm there to pick up yet another thing on the list that I knew that I'd didn't know that I needed. Anyway, I run into Grace uh, Gibson, Pastor Greg's wife, and so she's there picking up tools and stuff for a project she's doing, and I'm like, why is Greg sending you to Lowe's? I don't know. That's a different story, but anyway, we start talking. We were in the faucet aisle, by the way, and the Fawcett Isle guy came up and striked up a conversation, very friendly guy, and he started uh, talking about his grandchildren, and he said, "You know, I think God's purpose for grandparents is to spoil our kids and then send them back home." And he laughed, but he was serious, and I thought, man. That is so wrong, you know that is so wrong on so many levels and, and, and I, I wanted in, you know I want him to hear this sermon today, so I hope he podcasts it. but um, the point for us as we move through this is that even grandparents there are some some great truths that I think that uh, you 're going to hear through this, and then some of you are single. Uh, maybe maybe you've gone through a divorce or whatever and so when we talk about the family and, and marriage and some of that stuff you, you tend to check out but for some of you marriage is still an option in the future and so you're kind of looking so I think you're going to learn a lot of things and then also just being a parent and, and what it means to build your house uh, where you're at um, is going to be valuable as we look at these uh, issues in the next few weeks and some of you are in college and so you're like dude marriage is like the furthest thing from my mind right now but listen listen, if you'll stick with us over the next few weeks, you're going to learn some valuable principles that I wish I had known uh, before I got started in this deal. And so um, I think it's going to be encouraging for you uh, as well. So what does it mean to build our house on the rock? Let's look at Luke chapter 6. I want to begin in verse 43 uh, to really kind of set up the context of of Jesus and, and what he says about building our house on the rock. So he says this, For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. In other words, you know, the grapevine is going to produce grapes. The fig tree is going to produce figs. You know what kind of tree it is based upon what kind of fruit grows from that tree, grows from that vine. And then he says, The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Man, underline that one. That is huge, huge, huge. So, verse 46. So now he says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he's like. He's like a man I mean, that verse, let's let that kind of echo in our minds. Like, the ruin of that house was great. So, want to prevent that in our houses, okay? Let's just, let's just say that. Don't want to experience that. How do we experience the other side of that? I think there are many things that we can pull from this, but I want to I begin by reading again verse 46, and Jesus says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Jesus' question here is very, I think, real and very... Uh, pertinent for where we're at today. Like, why do you pretend like you follow Jesus? Why do you pretend in front of your wife that you, you know, love the Lord or like the Lord? Why do you pretend in front of your kids that, you know, you follow Jesus? I think a lot of people, you know, won't admit this, but a lot of people are just pretending that they are Christians, And here's what I mean. Some people come to church uh, first and foremost just out of a sense of security. Like it makes me feel better about myself when I go to church, and so I'm, I'm going to go. I have a, a sense of security that I'm a good person when I come or, or, you know, when I show up every now and then, or I have a sense of security about my salvation. Like, I'm, I know I'm going to heaven because I believe in God. And so sometimes just coming or just pretending like we are, you know, Christians, we feel better about ourselves. Sometimes we, we attend or pretend to, you know, follow Jesus because in the South, it's kind of a, a culturally accepted thing, at least in our area. Like, it's, it's kind of normal for people to talk about what church they're a member of. And so it doesn't, you know, we don't really talk much about what who Jesus is with our friends at work, but we talk about we go to so-and-so church. Sometimes we come to church based solely off of it's good for business. Like I meet people, I network, and, and you know people see me in the community at churches, and so sometimes I go to different churches to meet more people. Sometimes we pretend like we follow Jesus simply because we think it's good for our kids to be in church. And so we don't come to church for ourselves as mom and dad, We just come because we know it was good for me when I was growing up, and it's going to be good for my kids to be in church. And so I'll pretend like I love Jesus as long as my kids are in school. And, and, you know, once they graduate, then we'll kind of do our own deal or our own thing. This isn't really for me. It's for our kids. And I think Jesus' question here is very real for us. Like, why are you pretending? Are you pretending for your kids' sake? Because I'm telling you right now, they see right through it. Are we pretending for work's sake? Are we pretending because we have a sense of security? Or maybe there are a hundred other reasons why we might be pretending. But Jesus would say, look, stop pretending, and, and, and here's what I know. Like, the one that hears me and does what I tell them to do, that's the one that is a true follower. He says, look at their fruit. If I look at their fruit, then I know who's following me and who's not following me. So I think as a home dads, as a spiritual leader, we want to we be real with ourselves today and think, you know, what what fruit am I producing as the dad in this family? Like, what fruit are you wise producing spiritually in your lives as you look at where God is taking you today? Um, when, we, when we continue to see what Jesus is saying here, I mean, he you know, he says, out of our hearts we're producing one thing or another. And so when we, when we talked about our last series, what, what we Value what we treasure is what's in our heart. Like that's the most important thing to us. And so, so if it's money, if it's you know whatever you know whatever it is that we value the most, that's what's going to be in our heart. And Jesus takes it another step further that I think is interesting here. Look again, verse forty-five. He says, "Um, "For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks." So again, the heart is pivotal here. Like what's in my heart is what I value the most. It's what I treasure the most. So I want to identify with that, what, what, what those things are. And then Jesus says, I can also tell you what's in your heart by what comes out of your mouth. So what's ever in my heart is going to come out of my mouth. And so for many of you in here, I can tell after a few minutes in the fall what's in your heart because you talk about UT football. It's like UT, UT this, UT that, Coach Butch, and all blah, blah, blah. So it's like, I know it's in your heart. Everybody else knows it's in your heart. Why? Because it's coming out of your mouth. Now, if it's, if it's you know work, if that's what you're talking about, then that's what's in your heart. If it's your family, then that's what's in your heart. So, so we can just tell what's in our heart by what's coming out of our mouth. Out of the abundance of our heart, the mouth speaks. So let's take it spiritually and let's ask ourselves, how much are we talking about the Lord? So if what's in my heart what's overflowing in my heart is what's coming out of my mouth, then am I talking about the Lord in my family? Men, are you talking about the Lord with your kids? Are you talking about the Lord with your spouse? I mean, I mean that really is where the rubber meets the road as far as are, am I a pretender or am I serious about my walk with the Lord right now? Because if I'm serious, then it's going to be on my mouth. I'm going to be talking about it. It's going to be part of... My conversation now. The problem is we've got two kinds of Christianity that are kind of floating around, and I say Christianity loosely. It's so-called Christianity, and the first thing is is the legalistic home. So legalistic Christianity. What is that? It's basically when we reduce Christianity to a bunch of rules. Like here, here's my list of do's. Here's my list of uh, don'ts, and so shoulds and shouldn'ts. You know, can and can'ts, and so. When we relate it to the home as a parent, we're saying, all right, here's what you can do, here's what you can't do. Um, This is what you do, this is what you don't do. In a legalistic home, it's all about appearance. So don't talk about your problems, don't talk about your failures, don't talk about the sin that you're struggling with, just fake it, make it look like everything is okay, don't talk about it, and then don't break any rules and don't do anything wrong. And if that's the kind of, relation or if that's the kind of Christianity that we're teaching our kids, then we're missing the entire point. Like, it's not a list of do's and don'ts. You remember that old saying, don't drink and chew or hang around with kids that do, you know, you know, bless God, that's gonna, you know, you're a good Christian if you do that. And it's like, wait, so if you're taking notes, write this down. When I first read this years ago, it blew my mind, because rules without relationship equals rebellion. Rules without relationship equal rebellion. And so if you were raised in a legalistic home, you knew the rules. You knew what, we, what you could do or what you couldn't do. And dad was going to you know, do this or mom was going to get on you if you do this. And, and, and it was all about appearance. You can't let anybody know that you're, you failed or anybody know that you've messed up. And so it's all about keeping secrets and, 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 and wearing the right clothes and saying the right things. And, and there's no relationship there. So as a parent, there's no relationship with my kids. And then there's no teaching about the relationship that we're supposed to have as a believer with the Lord. So following Jesus isn't a relationship. It's just a bunch of rules. And that's going to lead to rebellion time and time again. I mean, you probably went to school with, with kids like this, or you know families like this where they you know, look like from the outside a great family. And then, you know, the kid goes off to college and, you know, he or she goes, you know, crazy, buck wild, and you're like, what happened here? What's going on? And, and the moment this young person gets a little taste of freedom, then because there's no relationship there, they, they, there's no real value of, well, why do I do this and why do I don't do that? You know, we're not answering those questions, the why behind them through the relationship. Then it's just a bunch of rules. And and so Christianity is no fun, and and it's a burden that we have to carry because, you know, following Jesus means you can't do this, and you can't, you got to do this, and, and it messes kids up. So legalistic Christianity doesn't work. If you are building your home on rules and not the rock, you're headed in the wrong direction. Now the second mistake I think that we see is is a lukewarm Christianity or a cultural Christianity. And that just simply means when we believe that there is a God, but we live in such a way that he doesn't exist. So I believe in God, but I'm going to live in such a way that, uh, you know, he's not really connected to my life, or he doesn't, you know, really do anything in my life. And so God created the world, he spun it into orbit, and then he just kind of left us to be, and, and oh yeah, I believe in God, but he doesn't affect my life. He doesn't change me. He's not changing me. And so, so essentially, you know, we believe in God, but he doesn't exist. And so, For me, I mean, I I can't judge your family and, you you know, I I don't know where you're at. But for me, there are some indicators, I think, that if we're honest, I mean, if we take an honest look at our own family and our own life, there are some things that we'll learn if if we do this. And so here, here are some things that I think are important. Like, you know, I think we're heading down a cultural Christianity or a lukewarm Christianity when, for example, we can't remember the last time as a family we prayed. So, like, not more than just God is great, God is good, let us thank him for our food prayers, or, you know, rub-a-dub, grub, thanks for the grub, whatever that one is. You know, it's like more than that. Like, are we gathering together to pray for a miracle? Like, we are expecting God to move here. Are we gathering together as a family to pray for someone's salvation? Have we gathered together to pray for someone's healing, or, or to pray for something that's happening in our church? I mean, are we praying for God to direct us in a certain situation, um, this is huge. And so if, if we can't remember when this is happening, then, then I would say, dads, it's, it's time to kind of you know, take a few notes right here and, and, and let's make this different this week. If you've noticed in your life that you've never said or you haven't said lately, hey, this is what I read in my Bible today and uh, it spoke to me, I just wanted to share it with you. You know, if, if, if that's not a part of your conversation, then perhaps you're not in God's Word, or perhaps He's just not a part of your conversation, and perhaps you're falling down this cultural Christianity uh, track. If I'm never leading my kids out of um, uh, harm's way as it relates to their faith, then I might be falling down this path of cultural Christianity. For instance, we're in a movie and language is bad and the third or fourth cuss word is is, is nailed or said or, you know, maybe it's God's name in vain. And instead of protecting them, we stay. But maybe the protecting thing to do would, would be, hey, I know we paid, you know, 150 bucks for this movie, <laughs> but I think we should leave because this just, just doesn't reflect our values or values. Or maybe it's just in the comfort of your living room and you're watching TV and it's like, you know what, we better change this station because this doesn't reflect our values or what we want to see. We, we don't want to laugh at something that we ourselves would be embarrassed to do. And, and so we want, to, we want to protect our kids and their faith in that way. Uh, maybe it's even the radio station, you know. Mom's, dad's, listen, you got to google the lyrics of the songs that your kids are listening to and read them, because I'm, I'm afraid that because it's a good beat and because it's popular, like in, in, in the verse, I mean the chorus sounds good and doesn't, you know, really say anything too bad that we're okay with it, but like the lyrics are, are could be brutal, and so you got to put in the legwork there, but But instead of just listening to whatever on the radio station, it's like, you know what? These these lyrics or these songs, man, that doesn't guide us into a deeper walk with the Lord. It actually detracts us for that. So we want to change the station. We want to change the channel. If it's been a while since you've done that, um, maybe perhaps you're falling down this track of lukewarm Christianity. Uh, If you've never said, hey, God has blessed us so much— God is blessing our church so much. God's blessed our family. He's blessed you with, with siblings and with your, you know, your cousins or whatever. If, if that's not a part of your conversation, then maybe, just maybe, you're falling down this path of cultural Christianity. And here's what Jesus says about being lukewarm. You remember in Revelation chapter 3, Jesus said, I'd rather you be hot or cold. He says, if you're lukewarm, what's he going to do? Splat. He's he's gonna spit you out. And so it's an illustration of you know, he wants us to, he he doesn't want us to be wishy-washy. He doesn't want us to ride the fence. He doesn't want one foot in the world and one foot in the church. He wants us to make a decision. And men, I'm I'm gonna be asking you during this series, like to make the decision, to lead in this way, to stand up, to be strong, to be the warrior for for your wife and your kids, and, and to say, look, this is the path we are going to walk. Nobody showed me how to walk this. I'm new at this. You know, bear with me on this, but we're going to walk this way. You know, I think a lot of times we forget just the simplicity of Jesus's words, like to build your house on the rock. This is what it means, to hear what Jesus says and to do what he says. It's that simple. And so for this this, this next few weeks, as we look at this, we're going to be looking at, okay, what does he say, men? What does he say as a dad? What, what does he say for the family to get more specific? But, but he says in this passage, like, if you want to build your house on the rock, you dig deep. You hear the words of Jesus, and you do the words of Jesus. And so moms and dads, some of you are in toddlerville, and, like, you're up to your eyebrows and dirty diapers and you've said, no, no, like a hundred million times today. But you're reading the Bible stories, you're praying, and, and, and they're eating Cheerios and, you know, picking their nose. And you don't, you don't think they're hearing anything. But, but you are building the foundation of your home upon the rock. Some of you are in the teenage years, and it's like hold on, holding on for dear life. And it's like, I don't know who this kid is anymore. He used to be sweet, he used to not smell. Now he smells all the time. And. He dresses weird, his friends dress weird, and and I'm scared to death of what's going on. You know, it's like you have built in our building a firm foundation as you share God's word, as you pour into their heart spiritually, as you build that relationship with them, and then by faith you trust that that no matter what they go through, they're gonna make their own mistakes and, and you're gonna love them through those mistakes, and you're gonna challenge them through their mistakes, but you're gonna walk with them. And by God's grace, because you've built your family upon the rock, you're going to have this, this storm hit you. But you know what? You're going to survive, and God's going to bless because of his grace. Some of you, your kids are grown, and they're gone, and maybe they're, you know, they, they have their own house, their own family is being built. And so now you're watching from a distance, and, and you're still involved, and you're trying to figure out, well, how do I be a grandparent without being you know, that grandparent you know, that's there too much and that— that speaks into their life too much and and, and and where is that balance? And so you're 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 pressing into them spiritually and at the same time you're giving them freedom to to raise their own family, despite, you know, how you would have done it or or what you would, would do differently, and so you're giving them grace and walking with them and, and helping them establish their house built upon the rock. The man that hears and does not do them is the guy that builds his house without a foundation. And as soon as the the torrent comes, as soon as the rain comes, the flood comes, his house is demolished. So we want to understand what it means to hear him and follow him and do what he's asking us to do. I want you to flip over to Psalm chapter 63. I love, love, love this passage. And um, I wanted to read it today because we want, I mean, I want this to be my heart. I want this to be the heart of my family. I want my kids to know this is like what daddy wants for himself, and this is what daddy wants for, for you as, as, as my kids, okay? And so here's, here's how David says it in this imagery I just absolutely love. He says this in verse 1. Oh God, you are my God. So God is not some cosmic being that's in the distance watching us. He is a personal, relational God. So he wants to be in relationship with you. He wants to go deeper with you. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly, I what? I seek you. So I'm chasing you. I'm I'm intentionally running after you. I'm looking for you. I'm looking for you during my day. I'm looking for you during my week, I'm looking for you in my circumstances. I'm looking for you in my relationship. Where are you at, God? What are you doing, God? Earnestly, I am seeking your will in my life. And then he says, my, my soul what? I'm in thirst for you, God. I am thirsting for God. In other words, you know, as in a dry and weary land, I am I'm parched, I'm dying of thirst. I want you, God. I want more of you. I want more of you in my heart. I want more of you in my life. The more I understand you and follow you, the more I know there is even more of you to know. And so it's like this amazing cycle of, I don't know him. Oh, I know him. He's awesome. Oh, wait a minute. There's more. And as soon as I find that there's more, I'm like, oh, ah, there's actually even more than I, than I thought. And it's this walk with him, of this understanding, my soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there's no water. So I've looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory, because your steadfast love is better than what? Better than life. Now that puts it into perspective, doesn't it? Like your love is better than life. We interpret this passage a lot differently sometimes, don't we? We say, oh God, you are my God. Earnestly, I seek a new outfit. My soul thirsts for those shoes. They're 20% off. It sounds so silly, doesn't it? You know, it's like my flesh faints for the 12 and under soccer league division title. It's like what? It's the way we live our life, you know? It's like Little League is king and, and oh, how thy new car, and new car smell would be glorious, my soul, you know, pants for thee, and thy leather seats with the butt warmers, I just need thee every hour, you know, it's like, seriously, it sounds so silly when we put it into perspective, like, when we think about it, that's how we're living our life sometimes, I want to, I want to encourage you that, like, this this could be your family's theme verse. So I did a translation, not like a biblical scholarly translation, but it's like a paraphrase of this passage that, that I want you to make your family's verse. And, and maybe at least through this series, you know, you guys will pray this together, maybe memorize this together and just, just, you know, let this become part of the culture of your living room. Just imagine with me. Yeah, awesome, there it is. You, God, are our God. So we're looking at it from a family perspective. You, God, are our, our God. Earnestly, not just me, but earnestly, we seek you. We, not just me, but we. You know, sometimes it's just mom, or sometimes it's just kids, or sometimes, yeah, it's just dad. So as a family, we seek you. We thirst for you. Our whole family longs for you. So like, what would it look like if that was your culture and your family? Not just, hey, I want you, God, when it's convenient for me, but like, we are thirsting for you, God, as a family. Not, hey, I kind of believe in you whenever I need you, God, but no, like, we thirst for you, God. It's a little bit different. Imagine how life would be different and how your kids would would interact with you differently and how your spouse would interact with you differently. You know, I think for, for part of us, especially if you're married today, like sometimes, and, and, and let's just be real, some of you walk in and you bicker and you fight all week and you don't like each other. Like you argue over parenting, over money, over different deals, and it's just uncomfortable. And me just bringing it up, makes you sweat a little bit your armpits are sweating right now it's like oh my gosh he's talking about us did somebody tell him about us no nobody said anything it's like this is reality for so many of you but what if you started looking at your spouse as a sinner who is married to a sinner because that's the reality you married a sinner and you yourself are a sinner and so couldn't it be that God brought that special someone in your life to show you that you are in fact a sinner You think, well, what what do you mean? Well, the grace of God is this. Like, I, because I'm married, my wife knows pretty much everything wrong with me. (laughs) She tells me frequently. No, she doesn't. She's very sweet. But she knows everything that's wrong with me. And because I'm married, I now know that I'm not perfect. Before I was married, I had a pretty good idea that everything with me was good, you know? I didn't really see any flaws, you know, I thought things were pretty good, but then I got married, and then I realized, man, I didn't know, I was such a bad dude, like, I didn't know all this, and so the grace of God is that he brings me with a woman that shows me that I'm not perfect, that I am in fact a sinner, And that even though I wish that she met every physical need that I had and waited on me hand and foot and, you know, gave me shoulder rubs every night and, you know, cooked these amazing gourmet, you know, even though I wish all of that happened, despite what we think, that's not what marriage is about, okay? And what if I looked at her as the grace of God showing me that I, in fact, do have some issues and struggles and some sin in my life that I need to repent of? Why? Why? So that I can be closer to Jesus. So that I can experience his grace even further, even more. And like the more I recognize my sin, the more I am confronted with it, the more I recognize that, man, I've got to repent of this so I can experience more of Jesus. And as I experience more of him, then, then I know, okay, wait a minute. Marriage is much deeper than just, you know, physical attraction and have kids and live together. It's about me understanding Jesus. It's about me growing closer to the Lord. And God brought a woman into my life that helps me see my failures. Maybe He brought a woman into your life, guys, that does the same. Instead of seeing it as nagging, instead of you looking at her as if she's on your back constantly, just look at God. It's like, God, what are you doing here? I didn't think I was so bad. You are. Trust me. I am too. We're worse than even what we even imagine. And the grace of God is that he's showing you, here's where you're messing up. So what are you going to do about it? You can keep fighting if you want to. Have fun with that. It's not going to help anything. It's just going to be more miserable for you. Or you can look to God and say, all right, God, show me. What do I need to change? What do I need to repent of? What do I need to change? So let me end practically, because I know anytime I talk to guys, men, it's men specifically about leading spiritually it's like oh great I don't have a clue what I'm doing it's like I want to but I don't know my dad didn't lead or you know I never saw it I don't even pray in front of my wife it's really awkward and and this whole conversation is going to put more pressure on me thanks a lot Trent you know so so let me just be very practical this is the easy part it's going to get more challenging and more fun but here's what I want to encourage you to do number one just talk practical here if we want to begin to build our family, our house upon the rock, step number one, involve God in the conversation. Involve God in the conversation. Here's how easy this is, guys. You're driving down the road with your kids. You see the sunset. Maybe you're an early riser. You see the sunrise. And your typical response is, hey, guys, look at the sunset. That's pretty. And go off with your, you know, with the next thought or whatever. Instead, we involve God in the conversation, and we just say this. Hey, guys, look at how God has blessed us with this sunset. Isn't it gorgeous? Isn't God huge? I'm just going to involve him in the conversation. I'm talking to my wife, and we're trying to figure out what we want to do. And so instead of just making the list of all the pros and a list of all the cons, and then we're going to X them out and then try to make a decision, we're actually going to involve God in the conversation, and we're going to say, what do you think God wants us to do here? What do you think God wants us to do? Let's pray about this together together. And see how he leads. And as we involve God in the conversation, then we begin to put him at the center of our family. He becomes the foundation of our family. Instead of never speaking of him, we begin to speak of him. And then allow the overflow of our heart to come out through our mouth, which is God himself. So we're speaking. We're talking. We're including God in Conversation We're recognizing him. We're saying how God has blessed our family, how God has blessed our church. And so, men, every day this week, I want you to use the name of Jesus in a conversation with someone in your family. What is Jesus doing in your family? Hasn't God blessed us today? Isn't God doing great things somewhere, someplace? We want to involve him in the conversation. Try to do it at least once a day involve him in the conversation. Secondly, we want to make church a priority. So that's an easy one. You know, for many of you, it's like, oh yeah, we've got that one. We're here every week. But for some of you, it's like hit or miss. It's like as long as nothing else is going on or once a month or, you know, whatever. So to, to hear from Jesus, we need to be under the preaching of, of God's Word. That's, that's a major way that God speaks to us through worship, through uh, gathering together in small groups, gathering together corporately as a church, and so we want to make church a priority. You know what? My kids never wake up and say, Dad, do we have to go to church today? They, I mean, it's not even a question. they like, no, this is, this is part of who we are and what we do, and, and it's not just that Dad makes them. It's they, they enjoy it. They can't wait to get here. They can't wait to go to their small group and see their small group leaders, and they can't wait to be with the kids in their small group and, and they can't wait. And they they talk about, you know, Miss in the cafe, and she's going to sneak me some food. She's going to buy me something today or, or, you know, Miss Amy or Mr. Jerry or whoever it is, you know, that's, that's uh, uh, leading them in that area. Like they talk about that and like, they want to be here. And I'm, I'm so happy that they do be in, and for me, I can't wait to get here. My wife can't wait to get here. And every week, it's something that we look forward to, because I know what God is doing here, what God is doing in my life personally. So we want to involve God in the conversation. We want to make church a priority so that we can begin to build Christ as the center of our family. If you're not attending church on a regular basis, Christ will not be the center of your family. There'll be too many distractions competing your time you're going to fall into that cultural christianity mentality where god is an add on yeah he exists but he doesn't affect our life make church a priority number 3 and finally show that it's fun to serve god because it is one of the, one of the biggest hang ups i had as a kid is like i looked at church as not fun some, some people ask, you know, why do you guys do stupid things in videos? <laughs> it's like, I want to have fun at church. And I want you to have fun at church. So if it means I pour a big bowl of eggnog on my face, so be it. If that's funny, I don't, you know, I can clean up. Uh, I've showered since then. But I want my kids, like, to know that church is fun. I want, I want my kids to know that serving God is fun uh, one of the things that we did as a family uh, a few weeks ago is we went, several weeks ago, was we went to Second uh, Harvest uh, Food Bank and we packed food for uh, families. And so that, that's a great opportunity uh, for you guys if you want to uh, get your family involved in something. So my, my youngest was four at the time, and so um, four and a half, almost five, I can't keep up. But anyway, so we're, we're, we're packing cereals, like the cereals in these big boxes, like these huge big things, and we were putting cereal in these little bags. To, to, so the kids could take them home. And so, so, like, Frosted Flakes was one of the choices. And so we're a Frosted Flake family. I don't, you know, it's sugary, I know, but we just love it. And so uh, they're great. And so we're packing the food, and I'm watching my, my five-year-old, you know. And my first instinct was to discipline, I'll be honest, because she's, she's scooping cereal into the little baggie, and then she's scooping a handful and shoving it in her mouth, you know. So my first instinct is to be like, Blakely, stop doing that. You can't, And so, you know, but then there's a, there's a little hedge and it's like, you know what? We might get fired, but we're serving today. You know, they may never let us come back, but I wanted to have fun. And so I snuck some. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't tell anybody, but I started sneaking them. And we started laughing and giggling. And you know what? That's a great memory for us. And so we want to teach our kids that it's fun to serve the Lord. So the challenging part for you, if you're actually going to do this for your kids, is you've got to start serving. You've got to start serving in some way. Like, we, we have to be intentional about this. Showing up on Sundays is not serving unless you're actually doing something. Like, coming and sitting is not an act of service. It's an act of worship, which is awesome. But, like, let's go to the next level with our kids and with our families, and let's see them. Let's let them see us serving and having a good time, having fun, serving together. Now, I'm just, I'm just going to tell you, I'm, I love, like, challenging men, because I think that men, like, you're, you're a huge key, and like, your kids, and, and your wife, and their spiritual direction, I think that's a biblical concept, and we're going to talk about it, but like, I'm, I'm going to be encouraging you to get off your tail, to get off your hands, to get up, to get out, to start doing something different because you can do this. You know, you can lead. God's called you to lead. And um, I believe that you're going to lead in a better way. I don't know if you guys have ever seen the movie Braveheart, but it's one of my all-time favorites and it's been on TV a hundred times and it seems like I always watch it when it comes on TV, uh, as long as the kids aren't in the room. Uh, but anyway, <clears throat> so one of the crucial parts of the movie is like, um, Robert the Bruce is the would-be king of Scotland, and so uh, you know uh, what's his name? Um, Mel Gibson. Um, his character is like challenging Robert the Bruce to step up and be a king, to step up and be a leader. Because Mel, I mean, he, his character—he's he's wanting to fight, he's wanting to fight for freedom for Scotland and 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 get rid of you know England and all this kind of stuff. And so, in this one scene, Robert the Bruce comes out to him, and and Mel looks at him, and he's like, you know what? If you would just lead they would follow he said unite the clans and fight and if you lead they will follow and then he said i will follow you and it was like one of those movies like you know that parts of the movies it's just tense and it's like yeah he's gonna do it spoiler alert he doesn't he's a loser and he's a traitor backstabber but anyway 10-year limit, if you haven't seen it by then, you know. So my point in sharing that is like, men, if you would just lead, they would follow. If you would just lead your wife in this deal, she would follow. That means admitting that you're wrong first. That means owning your side first. If you would just lead your kids and and show them the way, they would follow you and they would serve God. And they would honor the Lord. But men, you have got to lead. You've got to build your house on the rock. I want to close today in worship. Just sing to our God, who is the rock? We've sung this a few times now. and The words are, the rock won't move. You know, his love is strong. As we build our house upon this God, this rock, when the torrent, the wind, the rain, the storms, the six inches of snow, it's like not going to wreck your home. It's not going to wreck your marriage because your house is built on the rock. As we worship, I want to encourage our men to come forward and pray and just really begin to set the stage for leadership in your home. Like you maybe have never been down here before, but I just want to encourage you to pray, ask God's blessing upon your kids, seek him out, earnestly seek him and begin to put your family, put Jesus in the center of your family.